All right. Good evening. Hi. Yeah. So tonight it is Leah and Lexi, and we are here because we want to talk about the fact that our BTS Macne, uh, Jean Jung Gook, uh, he's going to be performing at the 2022 FIFA World Cup, which is going to be kicking off here in a few days at Albite Stadium in Doha, Qatar. And he is allegedly performing during the uh, opening ceremony to the soccer slash football, however you're going to choose to identify tournaments opening ceremony. And he's going to be featured on the official World Cup soundtrack. So on November 11th, Big Hit's Twitter account shared the following statement. They said, and I quote, proud to announce that Jungkook is part of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 soundtrack and will perform at the World Cup opening ceremony. Stay tuned, exclamation mark. And I think that what tripped me up and many people in the fandom is that word proud because I do think it's a very interesting choice of word for actively taking part in the entertainment of an event that has been steeped in controversy. And I mean, Jungkook um, performing isn't the only, um, isn't the only way in which BTS is involved. So in September, they released the um, Hyundai version of yet to come, which I complained about in a previous episode. Um, And that was part of their goal of the century world cup campaign. So that's, they have this long-standing association with Hyundai. And um, so they released it as part of that. And we saw they had those mint green ombre jersey things. Um, so it's sort of the World Cup slash sustainability slash everybody is happy together. So slash um, buy some cars. Slash buy cars. I mean, yes. I mean, there's no question about that. So Hyundai's chairman at the time said, uh, as one of the most influential global artists of the world, BTS and their music greatly influence our society to develop in a positive direction. Through the World Cup campaign with BTS, we hope to create an opportunity for people all over the world to unite towards one goal of sustainability and cheer each other up. So is the World Cup the best forum for that goal? So what we want to do today is, given their influence and the positive effect that is argued that BTS have on the world, we want to provide some context for their involvement in the World Cup and for Jungkook's upcoming performance. Because I don't want to speak for everybody who does the podcast, but I think that a few of us certainly believe that informed ARMY is better ARMY. So we wanted to look into this for ourselves um, we're not trying to come to a place of trying to um, educate anybody or anything like that. We just looked into this for our own interest and we thought we'd pass along the information that we had learned. And that can help you make your own choices about um, how you want to view the World Cup, if you want to watch it, what you think about BTS's involvement with it, etc. So we'll talk really generally about the World Cup and the choice of Qatar as a host nation. I know that some people say Catter, but I can't get used to that. So I'm going to say Qatar. Most of this discussion probably won't be fun. So apologies for that, but that's not our fault. 
because since 2010, when FIFA chose Qatar as the 2022 host country, there's been really widespread concern over human rights abuses in the country. And we're going to talk about three aspects of that today. We're going to focus on them. So we have the case of migrant workers, of women, and the LGBTQ plus community. According to an interview that he had with PBS, the former FIFA president, Sepp Blatter, who was the one who announced Qatar's win um, in 2010, has said since that doing so was a mistake. And he has added that human rights and social considerations um, should be part of uh, FIFA. Has FIFA has since added human rights and social considerations to its criteria when picking host countries. So let's see why they've done that since. Very generally, to explain the World Cup, because it is very, very important and popular in many places in the world, but not necessarily where you are. It's uh, held every four years, and it's a tournament between 32 men's national football teams. There's also a Women's World Cup. One of the teams this year is South Korea, which is led by Captain Song Hoon Min. And Son just broke the shit out of his orbital bone a few weeks ago. It got absolutely smashed in um, a club game that he was playing. But he's had surgery and he will play nonetheless. He's going to captain nonetheless. Because like most places outside of North America, and I don't want to speak, I know people love soccer and stuff like that in the States and Canada, but not to the level that they do in other places. So like in South Korea, football is very important and very popular. So in particular in 2002, when they were hosting the World Cup jointly with Japan, which is crazy in and of itself, but besides the point, South Korea reached the final four and the country went into an absolute frenzy about it. In fact, on summer vacation, which is recommended before as a great bomb to the soul, um, Cheo Shik, who we know from um, various dramas and from his friendship with Young, talks about how excited he was while he was at school in Canada, Korea getting that far, only to be told to like relax by his mean Canadian principal. But for South Koreans, 2002 was an absolutely indelible year for football. It was um, a watershed moment. FIFA, which you're going to hear us say in the same breath with World Cup a lot, is um, Fédération Internationale de Football Association. I don't understand why it switches languages, but that's okay. That's the sports governing body globally. So the teams that compete for the World Cup are member associations of FIFA. And then FIFA decides who gets to host the World Cup, which has been a whole thing in the past, but especially this time. So why is there this scrutiny of Qatar? There's a bunch of reasons that Qatar is a really basically unlikely choice for a World Cup host nation. There have been multiple accusations of corruption um, leveled against FIFA's choice of Qatar. And in the show notes, we'll put some sort of leads for you to follow up on that if you want to. We're going to leave that aside, though, because it's a whole issue in of itself that we don't have time to devote to. Suffice it to say, though, that as a very small Gulf nation, it certainly did lack and maybe still lacks the infrastructure that's required to host such a large-scale sporting event. I mean, rivaled only really by the Olympics. So in the interim time between when they got the bid and now, Qatar's had to build seven stadiums for the finals, as well as a new airport or completely revamp their old one, a new metro system, a whole bunch of roads, and at least 100 new hotels. So beyond the financial cost of the projects, which are estimated to be about like 200 billion US dollars, something nuts like that, and how these venues will be used in the future when they go back to having their regular population and very small 
um, group of people who live there. What's really, the cost has really been seen in the loss of life associated with building the infrastructure from scratch. And that's something that we will discuss. It's been absolutely staggering. Also, uh, another reason that it's a bit of a weird choice is that Qatar is hot. It's very, very hot. So even FIFA itself had sort of said that it was a high risk event. They hadn't sort of said a report came out where they themselves classified it as a high risk venue in 2010, right before the final vote took place. So for context, only Russia that got the 2018 World Cup was another the only other candidate that didn't get low risk, which all the other bidding countries got. And they did award Russia the 2018 World Cup at the same time. So it does seem odd that you would have you would decide to hold a tournament in a country that was not prepared for it in terms of infrastructure and also didn't have the conditions um, that are best, not even best suited, but not like threatening to the players. So already that what they did was they moved the World Cup from to November and December, um, even though it usually gets played May, June, July, to make it feasible. Even with that change, though, the daily averages in November and December are 26 degrees and 21 degrees, respectively, which for some of you is 80 to 70 degrees. But the average humidity is 71%, so that makes it a lot hotter. So, for example, at the kickoff game on Sunday, the temperature is going to be 26 at 7 p.m., which is hot, especially if it's humid. So one thing they've done for spectators is they've air-conditioned open stadiums. It's not clear how well that'll work yet. And also a pretty significant use slash waste of resources, separate issue. And while the players have been spared the danger of the Qatari summer by the move to the fall, the migrant workers that make up 90% of the country's workforce and who built the infrastructure of the games absolutely were not spared. So we didn't spend time telling you about the weather for no reason. The official number of worker deaths associated with the World Cup preparations is three, according to Qatar and FIFA. The government um, said that its accident records showed that between 2014 and 2020, there were 37 deaths among laborers at World Cup stadium construction sites, but only three of them were quote unquote work related. While the real number won't likely ever be known, The Guardian reported that 6,500 workers from India, Pakistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka died in Qatar between 2010 when they were awarded the bid and 2021 as reported to their embassies. So they're working 14 to 18 hour days in high heat and humidity with little to no overtime for the legal minimum monthly salary of about 260 US dollars, although food and accommodation is provided. And um, many workers start off this career and continue to be in debt due to having paid what is now illegal recruitment fees of several thousand dollars just to be hired. Qatar did get rid of that system, but some people are still paying off the previous systems configurations. Qatar says that the number of 6,500 is misleading because not all these workers were involved in World Cup construction projects directly, one assumes. So they mean the stadiums. <clears throat> and that they could have died of natural causes like old age. So presumably your migrant workers are not that old, but whatever. The International Labor Organization, though, points out that Qatar doesn't even count deaths related from heart attack and respiratory failure as work-related, even though those are very common symptoms of heat stroke acquired by doing heavy labor in high temperatures. 
The ILO reported that um, 50 foreign laborers died and more than 500 others were seriously injured in 2021 alone, while another 37,600 suffered mild to moderate injuries. In 2016, Amnesty International accused Qatari companies of using forced labor. That was part of the system we talked about before, where workers had to pay these huge recruitment fees, but they also had to live in very squalid living conditions. They had their wages withheld. Their wages went completely unpaid. Their passports were confiscated and they were otherwise prevented from leaving their current jobs. Since 2017, the government has introduced measures to protect foreign laborers from working in very hot weather by limiting their hours and improving their conditions in their camps. However, the 2021 report campaign by the campaign group Human Rights Watch says foreign workers were still suffering from punitive and illegal wage deductions and fates months of unpaid wages for long hours of grueling work. So these are toothless measures, essentially. All right. So clearly none of that is great. And, you know, if that's not quite bad enough, you know, let's take a closer look at other issues of contention about the World Cup in uh, Qatar. So Qatari government rules prohibit unmarried Qatari women under the age of 25 from traveling outside the country without the permission of their male guardian, typically their father, brother, uncle, or grandfather. A married woman can travel abroad without her husband's permission, but her husband can apply to a court to ban her travel. Airports will occasionally call and check with a guardian if they suspect a woman is fleeing. Women must also obtain permission from their male guardians to exercise many of their basic rights, including to marry. Men can marry up to four women at any one time without needing permission from a guardian or even from their current wife or wives. They also need permission from a guardian to obtain a government scholarship to pursue higher education, work in many government jobs, and obtain some reproductive health care. Women also cannot act as guardians to make choices about their own children's lives. The family law provides that a woman can be deemed disobedient if she does not obtain her husband's permission before working, traveling, or if she leaves her home or refuses to have sex with her husband without a, quote, legitimate reason. Worse still is the criminalization of homosexuality in Qatar, both for the domestic community and visiting fans. Article 285 of Qatar's penal code bans same-sex sexual activity for both men and women with a maximum sentence of seven years in prison. It is also illegal to lead, instigate, or seduce a man to commit sodomy or a man or woman to commit illegal or immoral actions. Qatar officially recognizes Islam as the state religion, and under Sharia law, Muslim men can be sentenced to death by stoning for homosexuality. Qatari forces can detain people for up to six months without charge or trial if there are, quote, well-founded reasons to believe the defendant may have committed a crime. So this is a legal framework that allows Qatari security forces to arrest and detain members of the LGBTQ plus community arbitrarily, and there's no recourse for those who are detained. And it's not like they've eased off with increased scrutiny. So Human Rights Watch has documented six cases of severe and repeated beatings and five cases of sexual harassment of LGBTQ Qataris in police custody between 2019 and 2022. So security forces arrested people in public places, 
based solely on their gender expression and unlawfully searched their phones. As a requirement for their release, security forces mandated that transgender women detainees attended conversion therapy sessions at a government-sponsored, quote, behavioral health care, end quote, center. So despite assurances from, for example, the head of England's Football Association that visiting fans would be safe from persecution, a Qatari official made worrying comments only a week ago that suggest the message hasn't really been internalized. On November 8th, Khalid Salman, a 2022 FIFA Qatar World Cup ambassador, described homosexuality as damage in the mind in an interview with ZDF, a TV channel in Germany. He also remarked that being gay is haram, which is Arabic for forbidden. It's important to note that players did not choose for the World Cup to be set in Qatar. That responsibility falls squarely on FIFA. Several teams, including the U.S., Australia, Denmark, and Germany, have or will make statements of support for migrant workers and the LGBTQ plus community through their uniforms. It's also FIFA who has the responsibility to factor in um, human rights when they're awarding the World Cup to a suitable host. And in this case, they obviously failed. But we aren't here today about FIFA. Um, We're here to talk about HYBE and their choice to send Jungkook for the opening ceremony um, to perform. So one thing that we wanted to look at a little bit going forward is BTS's track record of supporting progressive causes. And I think we're going to go through this too, not as like apologists for BTS, but simply because like, you know, we're trying to kind of grapple with the fact that we, you know, we just laid out some pretty heavy information on the state of things for like the World Cup and what it kind of means to be supporting that event. Uh, And, and it's, it's, I think so many people are kind of grappling with what that means and what that looks like for themselves. And so, you know, as we're unpacking BTS's track record of, you know, having supported progressive causes, um, this isn't like our apology tour for them. We're just trying to like grapple with the fact that sometimes our faves let us down and we're going to get into that a little bit more too. But, you know, I do think that before we get into that and take to task, we do also want to acknowledge that one of the reasons we've stand BTS and that, you know, we've really fallen in love with the group has been that they are this force for good. And there is a lot of, um, I think, progressive causes that they've taken up to varying degrees of vocal support or, you know, financial support that is worth like not just throwing under the bus, which is why we're doing all this. So that's kind of like a disclaimer I wanted to throw in there. So, for example, in 2021, um, BTS took a significant stand against racial discrimination by donating a million dollars to the Black Lives Matter campaign, um, which, of course, seems only appropriate considering how heavily they draw on African-American music. Army rallied with its own fundraising campaign and matched a million dollars donation in only 25 hours. BTS have, you know, had some notable uh, forays onto the international political stage like they went to the white house in 2022 and then you know in the last couple of years they also stood up in front of the united nations and spoke and rm uh he had a quote where he said no matter who you are where you're from your skin color gender identity speak yourself and you know that was seen as very powerful and uplifting for many people And one person in particular who kind of stood up and said, hey, that mattered to me 
was gay K-pop artist Holland, who shared that he felt thankful for RM's UN speech. And K-pop, for as much as, you know, it can be talked about as very reductionistly, like, men wearing makeup, (laughs) this is not, like, a industry that's really, like, had a lot of openly queer uh, representation. And so Holland really is standing very much almost alone in terms of being, um, you know, kind of more of a well-known K-pop artist who also is identifying as a queer person. I mean, that's something we can talk about a little bit, maybe when we've gone through some of um, the ways in which they've shown their support of progressive causes. But a lot of, when you look at lists, if you want to look at lists of, you know, how has BTS showed allyship, for example, There'll be things like Yungi wore pride shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things which, while I understand, I think sometimes we look for what we want to see in them. And I'm not saying Yungi did not wear <laughs> pride <laughs> shoes because he didn't know they were pride. I'm sure he, fine, he did, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's a difference between wearing shoes at an event and vocally supporting a cause or with financial resources or whatever. And I think like we get a lot of signals, I would say from BTS. So for example, the way they deal with gender has absolutely changed. And we've talked about that before, like the masculinity, the like really weird performative masculinity of the early years is gone. And, you know, they've made efforts like making the line friends line gender neutral, for example, which they were very intent on and made a point of. RM in 2020 talking to Rolling Stone about masculinity and what it represents being an outdated concept. And while they don't want to break it down, if they're making a positive impact, then they're they're thankful because they want to live in an age where there aren't those labels and restrictions They've worked with um, or promoted openly queer artists like Troy Sivan, Lil Nas X, Halsey, and recommended movies like Call Me By Your Name and Blues the Warmest Color, etc. But there have been very few instances, I would say, where they openly have said anything in the affirmative about LGBTQ plus rights. And the only the only instance that I could find and please correct me if I'm wrong and I also understand the strictures of South Korean society was in 2018 in a Billboard interview when they were talking about RM had recommended a Macklemore song and um, the Billboard interviewer was really trying to sort of draw him out on that to get him to I think say something specifically about their their stand on um LGBTQ rights and he sort of waffled a bit and wouldn't do it but um Yungi was very clear and said there's nothing wrong everyone is equal and I think that's really the only time that they've actually said anything and so in sort of going through this little list which is not us trying to like Leah said prepare sort of rebuttal or defense ahead of time of any legitimate criticisms of their involvement with the World Cup. But we only do get bits and pieces like that. We only get sort of like little signs and little nods and winks. And that's sort of 
all we have. So that's why we put that list together to sort of show that I think we both believe that the willingness is there and that they do believe these things, but for whatever reason, um, just the nature of the industry. And that's something that we can talk about too. They um, aren't as open as maybe they would want to be about what their beliefs are. And I don't even think they get asked the questions, honestly, because I think questions to a certain degree get vetted or they evade them a little bit. But when you come to a situation like the World Cup, where there is a big, big glaring issue in terms of how not just the LGBTQ community have been treated by the host country, but that these structures that was going to be that are going to be hosting this supposed event for like international cooperation, collaboration and friendship are built on migrant blood, not to be hyperbolic that's when you sort of maybe want a little bit more than a nudge and a wink and a, and a, a little hint. So I think that's where I am at certainly where I sort of feel like I'd like more, but realistically what, what kind of power do they have to say or do more? And I I don't think we know that. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And so now we're kind of hitting the point of the podcast where we, what we're left with is a lot of inferences and guesswork. And, you know, that's never like a super comfortable place to be because, you know, we could be completely off the mark or we could be spot on or we could be a bit of both. And I do appreciate, you know, like saying when they're like wearing something and people will be like, see, this means that they, it means X, Y, or Z. I mean, we can also say that Jimin also wore like some like pretty close to like Nazi imagery. And that wasn't because he is a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer. It's because they get styled and they are. So I think we really only have like the barest knowledge of like how handled these seven men are from like what they wear to how they style their hair to what they can talk about in public to, I mean, literally like if you can like see a nipple, like, I mean, like every part of how we portray them is like very handled by um, a company and that ties into capitalism and who audiences are. And I think that, you know, my, my guess is that, yeah, I do think that they are probably seven fairly progressive people. Um, you know, some of them maybe more than others, and they likely are supportive of the queer community, and they likely are very supportive of progressive causes. But I'm kind of guessing that, and also hoping that. Yeah. Um, but I also am looking at the company who is looking at a global audience. And being like, okay, we want to sell music in all of these places. And we want to be selling music in like Los Angeles and in Qatar. (laughs) And so, you know, very different locales, very different values. And so the way you can be palatable in so many places is by really tamping down any kind of um, quote unquote controversial And that's me, like, because none of this should be controversial to me. This is just like human rights. But I think that this is where my suspicion is that the company is trying to market a product 
And this product is these humans that we all are big fans of. And so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, what do you think to this like babbling I'm doing? Stop babbling. It's very insightful. Um, I would say that I think Hybe's response would be, well, Army isn't the government and, you know, we're there to perform for Army and it's an international stage and, you know, um, we're just doing it for the fans. I'm pretty sure they would say something um, Hallmarky card like that. But at the same time, I think your point about the degree to which they're handled is really important. And I think I'm only starting to get a sense of that now. And a lot of it is coming from Jin because just for example, this is not, I, I would say that it's a representative example. It's not a good example, but um, we all recently saw, I mean, we all, I did, you did saw the um, episode of no prepare the drinking show that, that Jin was on. And in the middle of the show, a big hit slash hype employee fully interrupted the filming to give Jin his allergy medication, his like allergy ointment to apply. And um, he did. He went and did it like in the middle of the show. I found that super weird. <laughs> I found it really, really indicative of how much they are isolated from the day-to-day running of how things really work. I don't want to say, you know, they have no grip on reality. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that their staff really manages their day-to-day pretty heavily. And I would be pretty surprised if they had much of a say in some of that, how it happens. I don't want to also cast them as like these powerless victims and Hybe is the bad guy and they're like, they're prisoners and stuff they're like that. Hostages. That's Chris Martin. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, look, I don't. <laughs> yes. And look, I'm just going to say, cause we've talked about this fact that Chris Martin has basically represented them as hostages before, <laughs> not the exact word, but you know, kind of has alluded to like, you know, that type of situation. But here's the thing is that he he has experienced as a Western artist going over and interacting with them and basically was like, that shit is wild. And Halsey yes. too has been like, these guys are amazing and good. So, I mean, this is the thing is like, there's good real people here, <laughs> but she's also been like, I've never seen people who are more handled and kind of more, have more staff and are kind of just more, I mean, yeah, this is, very much the golden goose for a very large company. <laughs> so that leads me to then grapple with when we look at JK going to perform, I'm left being like, do, you know, cause I'm very much not wanting to apologize for people and I'm wanting to hold folks accountable. But then I also don't want to be potentially victimizing people who very much could be, I mean, it's hard to say, like, is he a victim? But, like, people who may not have the agency we think they do. And we are all, as fans, we are complicit in what is truly a fucked up industry. K-pop is deeply fucked up and problematic. We see body dysmorphia celebrated regularly. Young 
people are brought in and essentially like allowed to have their bodies like racked in torture for entertainment. I mean, like it can be, it's so amazing and uplifting and positive and celebrative. And there is like a real, there is a real darkness that can surround it sometimes because these are like, yeah, this is companies. These are, so they're humans kind of like in this corporate machine and we love the humans and that like corporate march and that bottom line push just always, I think makes it feel icky, but like the guys never make me feel icky. No, but that's the thing. I think there's a dissonance between it's easy for us to blame Hybe and not blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, part of me, part of me wants to do it as a fan, but part of me also thinks that that's probably what's happening. Like, you know, there, <laughs> it's Hybe's job now that we're seeing. Okay, so one thing that's that we should mention is that um, Jungkook is currently the only <laughs> confirmed act for the opening ceremony as of the time of recording which is like not good the other named acts had been the black eyed peas who i don't want to offend anybody but will perform for anybody and anything shakira and dua lipa dua lipa when her name was floated immediately announced that she was not performing. She had never been in talks to perform and would not until Qatar improved its human rights record. So that's the right answer. Right now, Jungkook is there by himself, mm-hmm. by himself slash surrounded by staff, but name. by himself <laughs> yeah. outside of the group in a situation that I don't think Hybe fully got. I don't think they understood how critical people would be of it or they don't or we're atypical like we're not typical army and i mean we've seen the comments online a lot of people don't care a lot of people are just proud of him because he's going to be he's young and he's performing and whatever yeah, or um, the left-wing element of yes army. yes let's say that that's what <laughs> say that that's who we represent um but i can't imagine I don't know. I can't imagine going to the UN and speaking how they did and about what they did and then going to something like this and not caring for them personally. I I, I just, it doesn't, that's incongruous. It doesn't make sense to me. Yes. So and it's easy for me to hold high responsible. It's also turning into a bit of like a PR thing. Like you kind of like, it's, it's really going to be the only person performing. Like that's not good. That's a miscalculation. If that's what ends up happening, because like black eyed peas won't do it, <laughs> it's not good. Fergie's not there, but JK is. Come protect the baby. I mean, so I don't know. Like, I've heard a lot of people talk about this World Cup because more like for us right now, our consideration is: Are we going to watch Jungkook perform? But every most people only care of like what's going to happen with football. Like that's what they're interested in. So we're interested in a very like sub niche yes. aspect of this. Um, I I don't know. Like I can't tell people what to do. I'm sure I'll end up 
watching, seeing the performance, um, even incidentally on Instagram. It's not the kind of thing that you can necessarily avoid. I'm sure there'll be a um, Bantan bomb about it or something like that. Like, I'm sure they'll do something about it eventually. We know that he was there, like, what, three weeks ago or something to record, pre-record something. Yeah. Um, but I just sort of feel like, I don't know. I'm I'm just a bit surprised. I think I thought they were going to limit their involvement to the Hyundai thing. And that was going to be it, like, all of the century and, like, you know, um, change some lyrics around to yet to come. And that was going to be that. But this is different. This is like you are the the figurehead of the opening ceremonies, especially if he's the only one there. So I don't know. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that I'll see, you know, army trying to reconcile, like some army being like, here we have like UN ambassador Mm -hmm. and you know, FIFA soloist Jungkook. And I'm like, well, yeah. And then you're kind of, and then that leaves you being like, okay, well, where do you all really stand? And I go back to like, then looking to RM as like the leader and being like, yeah. okay, like you, it's not like, I also refuse to believe that they have no say and no clout. And so was there just like, everyone's real busy looking at like their lives going on hiatus and the military coming and this just like fucking fell through the cracks. Or, I mean, like, was this just like, yeah, a miscalculation or, because I don't think it's like a wanton disregard. I don't think it's like, we no. don't care. But they shit the bed on this one. I think, I think Hype fucked up, to be honest. Like, I think, I, you know, we know that they go for mindless corporate sponsorship we know they do that like no offense to the gentleman like it's not a problem like i get it like chicken mcnuggets all that like it's fine We're not whatever gonna, like get into like brand disparagement too much but schmick schmonalds <laughs> yeah so like it's fine we, we get it like we i think the mistake is to sort of treat them sort of like they're a nonprofit or something like that. And that they're above all of this. They're not above all of this. We know it and we're fine with it. And for most of the time it's okay. Cause it's like gum or, you know, um, iced coffees or whatever. So I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. For his glass ottoman. RM is paying for. Yeah. He's, he's paying for his <laughs> $1.2 million glass sculpture filled with blue water. Um, you know, something needs to pay for that and that's fine. And you know what they put in the work and I get it and that's okay. Um, I would say that I overlook that stuff, but this isn't gum. Mm -hmm. It's a different story. And I don't think that I've necessarily just thought about how this would look like, it's just a bad look. And like I told you, like, we hold them to a really high standard, And that's why, you know, we'll do a podcast about this because it's notable when someone fucks up. And I think we can say that in our estimation and not to speak for anybody else on the podcast, but for us, you and I, that um, this is a fuck up. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so I don't know. It's one of those things where yes, we're holding them to a higher standard, but it's because we love them. (laughs) And it's one of these things where, you know, um, 
this is definitely not the worst thing they could do. They could do many worse things. But to me, this better be the worst thing they do because it's pretty bad. And I think it's convenient for us to blame it on the company. But at the same time, I think you're right. There's no way they don't have any say. Now that like, you know, they're going to renegotiate in what, like two years or something? Yeah, 2026. Okay. So, you know, we'll see. This is chapter two. I'm not saying go to a, a pride parade. Like, I get it. I understand that they are to a degree hamstrung by their commercial position and their political context. Like, I get all that. But, you know, this is almost like Star Wars level obvious of who's right and wrong. You know, and you just don't don't perform for for Darth <laughs> Vader. Star. Yeah, this is like we've just taken Luke from the Rebel Alliance to come do a lightsaber show. Yeah, on the Death Star. Yeah, and we're like, well, I don't know. I mean, the Republic did need some cash. Yeah, the Republic needs money, and like, it's not his fault. Like, they made him do it. You know, right. so. It's tough because we don't know. We don't know. We really don't know. We only can, like you said, we can only speculate about what degree of say they have. And like maybe Jungkook's going because he doesn't care. I doubt that that's what's happening. But like, we also like, what is he going to perform? Yeah. I... All by his lonesome. Very good questions. And here's the other thing. And I... I hesitate to even bring it up, but I'm just going to say that we don't know anything about anything in terms of how they all identify privately as well. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. where I get very nervous too about holding his feet to the fire super hard. If in fact, like he was to identify as like a member of the GLBTQ committee, I have no idea if he does or doesn't, but if he did, then that brings in another layer of, I think like, difficulty and nuance that he would be trying to thread a needle on that you know and so this is where like I am hesitant when we don't have all the pictures of like anybody's personal lives and so I don't want to be like causing like you know for when he's tuning into our podcast I don't want to be unnecessary trauma there to like whatever he might be going through but I will say that what if I could wave my magic wand and have the world exactly how I want it to be I would have them be at pride parades and I would have them using the giant soapbox that they now have of credibility and power and prestige to, I mean, if I could sit down RM, cause you know, we always talk about how, you know, we'd like to have our conversations with RM. It's like, you know, you're talking about legacy. Here's a yeah. chance to really be able to articulate. This is it. And push and use your power to protect those who don't have that power and become that greater force for good that, I mean, honestly already, and this is like a non sequitur, but like, you know, you can go onto like Reddit or like I read a guardian article that like linked to a Reddit story that I thought was quite poignant about a woman who was like, my aunt was like fully in QAnon, like bananas QAnon. And then one day it just like stopped. 
And I was trying to figure out like what happened and what happened is she got into BTS, which, okay. But the needle that, and the, the point that the article was trying to make, which I think was actually a good point was not, we're all bananas. So you just go from QAnon to the army. It's <laughs> that a lot of extremism is able to grow and be nourished by a great deal of isolation. And when you can be part of more of like a collective experience, there can be a lot of like power in healing. And I think that that's like certainly where I've entered into the fandom space of being like, there is this kind of like optimism of like, you know, happy music meets like good vibes, which means like hopefulness after like so much darkness. And, and so, but I don't want it to just be like a McDonald's meal essentially like I want to feel like it didn't just taste good and was easy and that was it I'm like I'm ready to like have this feel a little bit more like uncomfortable like I would be okay with that but again that's me being okay with like them putting themselves into positions of you know discomfort in the stretch zone which you know that's not really fair but that's what I wish I could have I mean at the same time though like we we saw that um we saw the video of Namjoon talking to Pharrell and saying like what are we like diplomats and I I understand that part of it is like maybe that's not necessarily the direction they want to go in like maybe that that sort of mantle of being this almost secretly progressive (laughs) to an extent group um is not something that they wanted not because they're not but just because not because they're not progressive that is to say but just because it's difficult and because you become scrutinized and you're subject to this kind of criticism where it's like you know what you're doing isn't good enough but again I keep coming back to this but like you just don't have to perform at the opening ceremonies for the Qatar World Cup. Like, just like, don't do that and it'll be fine. Like, I'll I'll take the pride in store available only vans. I'll accept that. I'll take that like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like, fine. Ha- I'm happy with that. But then just don't do this and it'll be it'll be fine. Yes, I agree. And I do feel more like I maybe I've just got like riled up in this conversation. But you know, like, yeah, you were reminding me of that feral conversation. Like, that is one time that like, you know, I want to be like, you know what, RM, like, you still are such a fucking baby sometimes. And like, when he said that, I was like, that's like such like a 27 year old like dude bro you're better than that no I'm doing- he was trying to impress for all I think when he, he was, said that he and I mean like I'm sure it gets frustrating. But I yeah. was like, you know what? Who also like stood up with like their idol song? And you know what? You're fucking like, listen, you are something that is called an idol. Like that is like a very loaded yeah. word on so many levels. And you've like owned that very proudly. And you know what? As far as like him not wanting to be a diplomat, fine. Don't be a diplomat. But he does want legacy. And he wants yeah. what they're doing to matter. I think he came off as more flippant in that. Like, I think not to again, excuse him, but I think what he, what he said in the past is he sort of doesn't understand how they became 
that like he doesn't necessarily think like the idea was that he he didn't feel like they were they were like ordinary people from a small town in korea this, yeah, which i always find like hilarious like again. yeah this is like you know village <laughs> the third of the population of my country like don't worry about it like yeah super <laughs> tiny but he you know he sort of doesn't understand how they reached that point but he did express it like really a bit ridiculously when he was talking to him he was like oh what is this what, a diplomat calm down please <laughs> stop I mean, like, like oh i'm so sorry and that's yeah, just that not, was... he re- i mean like look maybe everybody's everything and everyone has many sides but i was like look at the end of the day everyone's had those moments but i just don't really feel like that's truly where like he's at with like no his, his no and i think pharrell basically was like no but that's a good thing like that's that's impressive that's good yes and he was like okay okay i mean look namjoon that's a whole other day for that's a whole other episode that's a whole other like series yeah. of, like dealing with him but jk out of all of them i'm like you're yeah. taking this child like I and mean, he's not a child now but somebody who was like raised in the system of yeah. and so yes for me personally i am not prepared to hang jk out to dry as the sole member that got the knot like the the tip to go because i was also like thinking about like okay they're looking at their playing field like you know their coaches they're like <laughs> like to use that analogy for talking about world cup they're looking at their roster and they're like okay we got namjoon with his album coming Jin's, you know shipping off to the dmz so you know then we probably don't want to do like the rap line so much like we need like some mainstream so we've got to go with our vocalist and then we've got like jimin <laughs> b and jk and who's going to be like the good boy that's just going to like show up and like probably and this is like i'm very wildly speculating but it's gonna be like the most masculine presenting kind of like mainstream performer that they've got in their arsenal and they're like you we're tapping you and he's like right. but he's also like um best all around you know so and Seriously. that's very debatable like don't that that's just the perception like he's good at everything so he's like the most let's say let's say most com- well-rounded you know ready to go out of the box performer i i don't understand what he's gonna perform um that's a whole other thing um we'll we'll see and that will be interesting too and you know what if he goes up and he has those stupid fucking vans on they're not stupid they're great you know they're his like pride vans on and like some code i'll take it i'll be so happy i will take it but i don't think that's gonna happen no i don't think it's gonna happen either but i just think they're like again this is me just like using my imagination now but i'm like you're not going to throw a V into that situation for very many reasons, but the most like basic common sense is like, no one ever knows what he's going to do at any given time. No. Yeah. So it's like, no, he's not going to be the one put him in Paris. Let him do what he's doing in Paris. Like whatever he's doing in Paris. We don't know. No. Last time he was pole dancing. So it's true. <laughs> wow. Looking like a, a red leather vampire and pole dancing. Yeah. And I mean, I celebrate all of it, but yeah, I just, I feel, and then like Jimin's also working on his album pretty heavily at the moment too. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I can kind of see how maybe they ended up being like, well, look, 
stocks are down, BTS is going to hiatus, like there's this pressure that we're going to like, you know, wring out this washcloth of humanity and get every last little like drop of, you know, income here. And I don't know. And look, Korea loves football. That's the other thing too, is like, that's sort of what I was trying to convey earlier is it's very, very important to them. So in that spirit, it, you know, quote unquote, makes sense. But, um, it, you know, morally it doesn't. Yeah. And this could be our cultural lens too, of like, maybe everyone in Korea is going to be like, sweet. We're so proud of our football team, which is a good team. And here we are so proud that like, you know, our golden maknae is on the stage and maybe for South Korea it's going to be super stoked but we can say that as like western lefty army (laughs) who like give a shit about human rights and equality and women's rights and you know basically just like the (laughs) we do not want to be in like a handmaiden's tale yeah so that's the other thing it's like we just put Jungkook and Gilead (laughs) said go for it well I mean I didn't want to spend too much time (laughs) I mean I think that the migrant workers issue and the persecution that the LGBTQ community faces was sort of more salient so we didn't spend like a ton of time on the status of women in Qatar but like we know that army is predominantly people who identify as women Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's also a miscalculation on that part, but that's, um, you know, I'm used to no one caring <laughs> what what happens in that regard, in a way, you know, but it just seems like a poorly made decision or a decision that was made maybe a long time ago in um, when it wasn't as obvious to the people who made this decision that it was going to be poorly received by certain quarters. And we don't know for the majority, we don't know for representative at all of what army generally thinks of this. So this is just our, our little uh, sesh. Yeah. And look, we have no right or wrong. I don't know you, for me, look, I'm not going to, make a big effort to watch the performance i will watch it like when it's shared fifty thousand times on every social media channel in like gif form (laughs) cartoon form and every other form like i'll be well aware of how it goes down but i'm not gonna be like setting my alarm for this one um but will i be watching the world cup sometimes yeah probably honestly yeah i will because i don't i mean it's one of these things that is that truly global event I'll be curious like how different countries teams are that I you know support and it's about the players too and I mean this is where like the players have been so fucked over by FIFA too because this should just be about them and their like you know their efforts and their sport and the game and instead we're like all here because at the end of the day even Hybe like FIFA shit the bed on this one the most and we're all here because they really shit the bed so the biggest wave of the finger goes back there yeah fuck you fifa fuck you fifa but you know am i gonna support the socceroos yeah (laughs) i will yeah and you know what's the canadian team (laughs) you know look (laughs) what do you do they have a name (laughs) i don't know it's that bad we're never in it i don't know 
Is this the first time in how long? Since, uh, I think maybe since um, it was in the States. Okay, so that's a long time. I completely made that up. I'm going to cheer for Canada. Thank you. (laughs) I accept. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, look, I am going to be watching the World Cup so far right now. I think I will be watching it. But that's also subject to change because, you know, as we impact it's but ugh, it just doesn't feel good. And, you no. know, yeah, no. But at the same time, I think it was we we talked about, you know, whether we wanted to sort of do this because we think that some people will get mad at us. And, um, you know, if we if we're going to be like, you know, real real fans and we're going to be you know thinky about stuff and we're you know going to stay true to ourselves and our values and 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 also the values that that bts expounds and i think we need to talk about these things sometimes they're not perfect and i think that it'll be interesting going forward to see you know like they've teased some collaborations that with some people that i and i i don't want to say without them being confirmed but you know, we'll see the the uh, quality of the company they keep, to be honest, yeah, going forward. Been, yes, we have seen already that it's a mixed bag. And yes, have they been with people who seem genuinely like awesome, cool people? Very much so. And sometimes folks who are going to be more problematic. And I think that we have every right to hold them accountable, to hold the company accountable, and to kind of just... And this is me like using my like persuasive power of capitalism to be like, I will show up if they end up disavowing domestic violence perpetuators and mm-hmm. countries that have abysmal human right, rights records. In fact, I will show up 10 times harder. And, yep. you know, we are here as grown ass adults who buy shit. And so, you know, like we will support, we will invest and we will, you know, be part of like that machine, but we need to be able to feel like we're putting our investments in places that are not, you know, like I'm not going to go invest in like a nuclear waste dump either. Like, you know, like, I don't know, like I want to, I want to feel good about my investment of time and fandom. And these you know, whether it's an act that's collaborating with them or whether it's this, if it's a World Cup, they, these people, these organizations, these Chicken McNuggets, you know, benefit from BTS conferring their talent, their, this, this view that everybody has that they are like these really highly principled good guys, like that, that, that luster wears off on these other partners, whatever they are whether it's, you know, dumb or governments that are mean. So, you know, if they want that luster to last and be true and really shiny, they shouldn't spread around so much, you know? Don't don't just, yeah. (laughs) Like, be discerning. Don't stick that luster in every available. (laughs) Exactly. I don't, you know, I don't want to, like, commercially slut shame them but like you know you to a degree like you are in a position now bts where you can be very discerning in terms of who you collaborate with so be discerning 
And having that discernment, you are then also for the large amount of army that is like impressionable and younger mm-hmm. or just maybe is like less informed or is maybe just open and hasn't really thought about issues to expand and grow and become forces for good on their own too. And so if it's like, hey, we decided not to do the World Cup in Qatar and here's why. I mean, like that would have generated a huge amount of conversation and education. And if they decide to invest in like, hey, we're going to like work with these musicians because they represent X, Y, and Z that is like good in humanity, then like that's really positive and great too. So yeah, they would be conferring legitimacy on things that things or people or organizations or whatever that need it. Yes. Not ones that don't deserve it. Yes. And that that's where I hope as we move into the, I guess what we're going to call the third chapter, which is when they come out of the military, Mm. um, that they can use that power as a real, you know, yes. Army has been a great force for good already. And I think that it can continue. And, and I, yes, I'm also protective of it because I feel like let's continue to be a force for good I do not want to be complicit in being a force for whatever bullshit this is that we're here to end tonight. Yes. So on that articulate <laughs> note, which I don't want to boil down to don't harsh my buzz. <laughs> don't make it hard for me, guys. Do not make it hard. No, just like, fuck. it's just these seven men from this small dot of an insignificant city of nightmares <laughs> a tiny village of soul if he refers to if don g refers to soul as a small city one more time i am just gonna start screaming at my screen every time it happens. <laughs> okay well yes they have great great power and i think that there is like very few people who ever have that opportunity in the human experience to be a force and driver for good so why them as they ask themselves you know what i would argue it doesn't matter you just are yeah and so you can sit and grapple with the whys and we can all sit and grapple about the whys but at the end of the day it's like keep it simple and just accept that this has happened i don't know why i don't know why i'm obsessed with you all (laughs) i am and so like you know it's just happened and so since it's happened you know what can you do with that don't don't perform in a bikini for Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> yeah, because Leia didn't want to. And no, she was chained up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, on that note, look, best of luck in life, Jungkook. And I do love our baby. We do love you, Jungkook, because we know that you're listening. Yeah, so as you've sat through what has turned into like over an hour of like just disappointment and love mixed together. Yeah. Don't do it again. Yeah, we'll hold you to it. All right. Well, Borge. Borge. <laughs> <laughs>